Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study of the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Ephesians chapter 4. If you're visiting with us, For the first time, you actually have come on the last day of our series of teachings on life in the Spirit. Just by round of applause. Have you learned anything? Have you learned anything? You think you grew as a result of this? It's been a blessing for me. I hope it's been a blessing for you. And so far, we have covered a lot. We have talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, that he is not an energy or a force or a phantom or karma or a ghost, that he's the third person of the Godhead. Get your pen, get your pad, get your heart. We talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what he's come to do. He's sent as a helper. He has come in John 16. We learned he's come to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, the Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak of his own authority. The Holy Spirit tells us of things to come. The Holy Spirit will not bring glory to himself. His job is to glorify Jesus. We talked about the Holy Spirit in regeneration. Were you with me? That God has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment or a seal of ownership or a guarantee that God is coming back someday to take his people home. And I don't know about you, but I am ready to go home. You know, I don't, I don't reply to a lot of things that I see on Facebook. Um, I just don't. I, I don't find myself in debates and, and arguments and stuff because that's just what that nature of media does. Although yesterday I was on Facebook and listening to this story that as I've come to understand this is already enacted that very soon curriculum will be coming to your elementary public schools and high schools, teaching children and helping them understand bisexuality, transgender, heterosexuality, um, uh, lesbian, homosexual relationships um, to fourth graders to fifth graders. I'm ready to go home. So I'm ready to go home. Every day is something else. So I made a reply to this. I don't usually do this, but I I did reply to this one, and I said, you know, uh, know, one person posted that, you know, we, we, we need to get prayer back in school. And I posted, we need to get prayer back in the home. I think if you get prayer back, and I'm wait while you clap your hands here. 
I honestly believe if you get prayer in the home, you will get prayer in the school because you cannot legislate a person's heart. If your children want to pray, they can pray. They don't have to stand up on a desk in the classroom and say, let us all pray. Hallelujah. But they can certainly pray. If you want to pray, let's get prayer back in the home. Let's get prayer back in, in the place where it, where it begins, and that is in the home. And then I posted, I said, absolutely not would I allow my children to be in a classroom setting of that kind of thing being taught. That should be taught in the home by parents. What in the world is the world coming to? We need Jesus, and we need him now. We need Jesus, we need him now. I'm ready to go home. I don't know about you. Anyway, we have been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit are found in three places in the Bible. Saints, they are found in 1 Corinthians, what chapter? 12. First service was tentative. Second service was tentative. And you guys are tentative. 1 Corinthians chapter what? 12. Thank you. And also in Romans chapter 12 and here in Ephesians chapter we'll find the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned in the early church, there was a lot of confusion and misunderstanding regarding the gifts of the Spirit and their operation, and nothing new under the sun. There's a lot of misunderstanding in the church today, and I hope now that we've completed our study that there's less misunderstanding in our church concerning the gifts of the Spirit and how they operate, and prayerfully by this time, we've brought some clarity and and some... um, uh, demystification. That's what I've tried to do, is to kind of demystify the whole subject of the Holy Spirit, including the gifts, and hopefully uh, that mission has been accomplished on this all-important topic and teaching in the Bible. Well, this afternoon we come to our final list of gifts of, on the whole, in the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit here in Ephesians chapter 4. And listen, the gifts that are listed here speak more to church order and leadership than they do to individual gifting. Let me say that again. The gifts that are listed here speak more to church order and leadership than they do to individual gifting. Here in Ephesians, we have the gifted office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I've titled this sermon, let's get to it, The Holy Spirit and Gifts, part 10. Ephesians chapter 4, saints, I want to look at verse 7. Y'all with me? Y'all awake? Ephesians chapter 4, we're looking at verse 7, and then I'm going to pop over to verse 11, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, we pick up in verse 7. If you're looking at verse 7, say amen. (laughs) To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11, and he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Here's why. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Saints, I hope after this study, we're no longer children tossed to and fro. And that means going here, going there without understanding, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love 
may grow up in all things into him who is the head. We're talking about Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Before we begin, look at me, please. Before we begin, could we decide together that we are going to approach this text as if we never heard it before. We're going to approach this text like, Lord, speak to me. My slate is clean. You know, oftentimes when you come to a Bible verse that you are familiar with, it's almost like, oh, I know that verse. I know I've read that verse before. I know that verse. And so you might check out or don't listen as intently. And I don't want us to do that today. I want us to, to, to learn together and I want us to come to this text because I'm confident that if you've been a Christian more than a year, you've heard Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, God has given gifts, prophets, and evangelists, and teachers. You've heard this text before, but I want to approach this text with you clean today and allow the Word of God to speak uh, for itself. Now, specifically regarding the text that we have before us this morning, there is a certain teaching in certain circles, Pentecostal, charismatic circles, known as the fivefold ministry. Have you ever heard of the fivefold ministry? Just show of hands. The fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry teaching is solely based off this one verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. The fivefold ministry teaching began in 1940s during the latter rain movement in Saskatchewan. Canada, a revival broke out and many felt we were on the verge of a new era in which the Holy Spirit would demonstrate his power in a greater way than the world has ever seen, even greater than the age of the apostles. The fivefold ministry teaching was rejected at first in the 1960s, but it began to take root and has become a major foundational teaching among charismatic groups and is taught in many churches as God's latter day plan for leadership. Simply, the fivefold ministry teaches there are men and women who are divinely anointed to one of these five ministry gifts here in Ephesians chapter 4, 11. These apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are charged with the mission of leading the Christian church towards spiritual maturity and perfection in the last days. They are said to be especially anointed for this role by God and given supernatural divine authority and are not to be spoken against, and to do so is to resist God's leadership. Now, with that said, I want to take the last gift first in Ephesians and deal with that. You'll see why, and then we'll come back and we'll deal with the others. Y'all still with me? So we have the last gift, the gifted office of pastor-teacher. Now, for obvious reasons, this is my favorite gift. Definition. The supernatural ability to feed, care for, and protect God's people through the teaching of the Word of God. The supernatural ability to feed, care for, and protect God's people through the teaching of the Word of God. Now, there are those who believe in the fivefold ministry, and they say the role of pastor teacher, now listen to me close, they say the role of pastor teacher are two distinct offices or two distinct gifts to the church. There's the pastor. And there's the teacher. Very technical. I want you to listen to me closely. The pastor teacher 
is not two gifts or two offices, it's one. According to Granville's sharp rule of interpretation, Granville's sharp rule of interpretation states that when you have two nouns which are not proper names, such as Peter, Paul, and Timothy, which are describing a person, and the two nouns are connected by the word and, and the first noun has the article the, while the second does not, both nouns are referring to the same person. There are no exceptions to this rule. Granville's sharp rule of interpretation, you can look it up. Notice in verse 11, we are talking about the pastor and teacher. Pastor and teacher is one office with two descriptive titles or one gift, the gift of pastor teacher. Therefore, the fivefold ministry is more like the fourfold ministry. The word pastor, if you have a pen, means shepherd. Write it down, it means shepherd. The word teacher means instructor, master, tutor, mentor. With this office being one and the same, pastor, teacher, I believe that God wants every senior pastor to have the gift of teaching. But not every person who teaches is called the pastor. Did y'all pick that up? Every single pastor must have, God will give them the gift if, let me say it like this. If God has called you to pastor, then God will give you the gift of teaching. But every teacher is not called the pastor. You can be a teacher and not be a pastor. See, being a pastor is an issue of the heart. Somebody say amen. That's an issue of the heart. When you're a pastor, you carry people right here. You carry people. It's almost like the priest in the temple, and they had the 12 stones, and the 12 stones represented what? The 12 tribes of Israel. The priest carried the people, so the shepherd carries the people on his heart. The shepherd loves to be around the people. Do you know that there are pastors that don't like people? I ain't kidding you. I ain't making this up. There are pastors that don't like people. If you're a pastor and you don't like people, God has not called you to pastor. Because part of the duties of being a pastor is liking people. Somebody say amen. Aye, aye, aye. You can be a teacher and not be called a pastor. But if you're called a pastor, then God's going to give you the, the gift to teach. Now, I don't know why anybody would even want a pastor. There's so many people that come to me and go, oh, you know, Pastor Rodney, I think God has called me to pastor. I'm like, no, he hasn't. They go, yes, he has. I go, no, he hasn't. I try to talk him out of it. I honestly try to talk people out of it because if God didn't call you to pastor, you don't want this. You don't want this. I think people think that pastors only work one day a week and that's why they want to be a pastor. I really do think that. They don't realize pastors do not work one day a week. Pastors work seven days a week, 365 days a year. Pastors work every single day. You don't ever have a day off. People talk about your day off. You don't have a day off. Because the day that you have off, for example, my day off is Monday, tomorrow. Do you know Monday? Because I have preached so much and poured out so much on Sunday. On Monday, I don't want to do anything but look at the ceiling and ask God to please let me go. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm keeping it 100. Can you handle it? 
I'm like, God, I hate it. I don't want to do this anymore. God, I don't, I just killed him. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's hard. I'm tired. And then next week I come back, preach. Next Monday, God, I don't like it anymore. I'm so tired. I don't want to do it anymore, God. I quit. I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I quit. Next Sunday, I preach. Monday, God, I quit. I really do. This time I really do. You don't want to be a pastor? Not unless God called you to it. Now, if God calls you to it, you have no choice but to be a pastor. You have no choice but to follow God because it's God calling you. Every pastor has the gift of teaching, but not every teacher has the gift of pastoring. The role of pastor teacher is to feed and care for and protect the flock. I think of Acts chapter 20, verse 28, write it down. Paul was speaking at a pastor's conference and he said, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. In 1 Timothy 5, 2, 3, says essentially the same thing. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, Nobody's making you do it, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. Look at verse 11, if you will, in your Bibles again. Notice two very important words, he himself. The he spoken of is Jesus. It doesn't say, and they themselves. It's Jesus who gives the church these gifts and ministries to build up his body. It's Jesus' church. Somebody say amen. It's Jesus' work. It's Jesus who appoints these offices, not men. It's Jesus who appoints these offices, not men. You don't call yourself to the apostle. You don't call yourself to the bishop. And by the way, the word apostle, bishop, pastor, overseer, elder is all the same Greek word. It all simply means overseer. All of it. So why do we have so many titles in the church? They all mean the same thing. But everybody got to have a title in the church. You notice that? Everybody got to have a title. Well, I'm bishop bishop so-and-so. Well, I'm apostle so-and-so. Well, I'm evangelist so-and-so. Well, I'm bishop, reverend, evangelist, so-and-so. Well, I'm bishop, reverend, evangelist, apostle, and pastor, so-and-so. Your turn. (laughs) Well, I'm, everybody has to have a title. Listen, you don't need a title. You need a calling. And if you have a calling, you won't feel so led to tell people your title. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's Jesus who appoints these men. It's Jesus' church. Don't you remember Jesus said to Peter, Pete, upon this rock I will build, somebody help me, my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. These offices or gifts to the church are a divine institution, not a human invention. Now I want you to look at verse 11 again. We have the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now, if you've been with us in 1 Corinthians, you know we've already talked about the gift of prophecy. And I told you that the Greek word for prophecy is prophetia. In the Old Testament, it means foretelling a future event. If you don't have that written down, write it down. It means foretelling a future events. The New Testament, it means forthtelling, speaking forth telling of the word of God. As we talked about prophecy, 
It's foretelling the word of God. You could also say it's the gift of expounding on the word of God. Therefore, the gift of prophecy is often intertwined with the gift of teaching. Well, let's move forward. The gifted office of apostle definition. The apostle is the gifted office or position to be an ambassador or a delegate, a messenger, someone commissioned, or someone sent forth with orders from God. The apostle is the gifted office or position to be an ambassador, delegate, a messenger, someone commissioned, or someone sent forth with orders from God. Now, again, we're talking about the gifts, and in this case, we're talking about the gifted office. There are those who tell you that the office of or the position of apostle ended with the 12 apostles that Jesus handpicked when he was doing his earthly ministry. They say that there are no apostles. There are no apostles today. Well, you might remember in Jesus' earthly ministry, he chose how many apostles? Somebody tell me. How many? Twelve. Very good. One of the 12 was a traitor and turned his back on Jesus. What was his name? Judas. Very good. I taught y'all well. Judas was so overcome with guilt, he went out and did what? Ooh, y'all on it today. Later in the book of Acts, Judas' office was replaced by, does anybody know? Y'all knew that? I am a great teacher. It was a total of 13 men to have ever been an apostle. Now listen, stay with me. Galatians chapter 1 verse 19 tells us James, the brother of Jesus, was an apostle. That's 14. Acts 14.4 tells us Barnabas was an apostle. That's 15. Romans chapter 16 verse 7. Andronicus and Junius were also apostles. That's 16. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 along with chapter 2. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy were noted as apostles. That's three more. That's 19. So even though Jesus appointed 12 apostles, there were many who had the title of apostle after the 12 were chosen. So then the question comes to mind, are there apostles today? I would say yes. But in a broad sense, I would say all believers have or are called to an apostolic ministry. Although I don't think that there are apostles today in the same authoritative sense of the first century apostles, because the first century apostles were used to lay the foundation of the early church. I would say that missionaries have an apostolic ministry. I would say that in a general broad sense, I have an apostolic ministry. Uh, You guys know we moved from uh, California to North Carolina. We were sent here with orders from God to start a church, to plant a church, and to teach the Bible to those in the triangle. So I would say that I have an apostolic ministry, if you will. Again, I don't feel the need to tell people I'm an apostle. I just, I don't know why. It just feels a little arrogant to me. I don't know why. Amen. Well, you didn't have to amen there, but... Take it back. <laughs> Men, <Just, laughs> <Mene. laughs> 
you know, I, I, I think, you know, you know, anyone sent with a message has an apostolic ministry. Well, let's move on to the gifted office of evangelist definition. I would define an evangelist as someone with the supernatural ability from the Holy Spirit to communicate the gospel in relevant terms to unbelievers, to bring conviction and repentance and ultimately leading to conversion. I told you the Greek word for evangelist means the bringer of good news. Write that down if you don't have it written down. Evangelist means the bringer of good news. There are those in the body of Christ who have a gift to bring people to an understanding of gospel in a way that is convicting and provoking to action. Who can think of an evangelist and not think of D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody was a great evangelist and a powerful instrument in the hand of God as God used him to bring revival to Scotland and England. And who can think of evangelists and not think of Billy Graham? And who can think of evangelists and not think of Billy Sunday? And who can think of an evangelist and not think of Frederick B. Meyer? And who can think of evangelists and not think of Mordecai Ham? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.